Where does it go? Where does it go? All of that cast off junk. Where does it go? Welcome to Where Does It Go, a podcast about stuff. I'm Emily. And I'm Sarah. And today we're going to talk to you about stuff and where it goes. Uh, I think I go first this time. Uh, I think you went first last time. Although I have an update from the last podcast, which was about fire and estate sale stuff. Uh, And the fire update is there is a town in Pennsylvania that is on fire, a coal seam that's been on fire since the 60s. It's called Centralia, Pennsylvania. Hmm. And it used to have a population of around 1,000, and now it's got a population of seven. Yeah, Uh, because it's on fire, right? Yeah. And it, like it's it's gotten to the point where the U.S. Postal Service has discontinued its zip code and things like that, so it's not a functional municipality anymore, which is a shame. Wow. Yeah. So that's another topic that I've never considered. Where do po- postal zip codes go? Yeah, me either. I want to do uh, one about dead mail soon. Okay. Because there's a dead mail office, and I think you can actually, like, they auction off dead mail. What? I think. This is another one of those Centralia, Pennsylvania issues where I'm talking, but not looking. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So, I'll update you. Maybe I'll do dead mail next time. Nice. Okay. Cool. Because I swear I was looking at those auctions once. Mm Mm-hmm. And it's just weird stuff, like it's jewelry and things like that. Uh, you can't buy letters. I'm pretty sure it's just like the packages, and the contents. Yeah, because there's confidentiality issues, I'm sure. Yeah, exactly. And also, like, you might just end up buying a bunch of junk mail, which there's a great book. Speaking of junk mail, uh, yes. I do have a topic that has nothing to do with mail. But uh, speaking of junk mail, there's a great book called The, the Motel of Mysteries. Uh-huh. And it's a post-apocalyptic archaeological study. It's fiction mm-hmm. where the United States and specifically, uh, you know, like, I think it's specifically the East and West coasts, uh, but they got covered in junk mail. It was like a great junk mail catastrophe. And <laughs> everybody died. And oh. then hundreds of years later, uh, this European team of archaeologists was coming in to excavate a motel. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's a pretty funny satire of the Tutankhamun uh, tomb excavation, including like their interpretations of us worshiping the bathroom and like worshiping (laughs) at the toilet and like that plastics are so sacred and precious and expensive in the future that we were so wealthy for having things like plastic toothbrushes and whatever. Oh, wow. It's a great book. So it's called the hotel of mysteries. I think it's the motel of mysteries. The motel of mysteries. But yeah, it's as you know, for a kid who wanted to be an archeologist or a paleontologist, uh, it was a very fun book to read when I was younger. I'm always telling my um, coworkers that 
the in the future when there's the only thing left is our stuff and like our digital devices it's going to be just like hundreds of thousands of photos of people's food <laughs> and archaeologists are just going to be like wow we know what they ate <laughs> yeah that's true. <laughs> avocado toast exclusive <laughs> <laughs> and there's nothing wrong with that it's delicious yeah avocado toast is amazing all right, so to get to get this train back on track here <laughs> that I derailed, to be clear. Uh, today I'm talking about what happens to rabies and rabid animals. Interesting. Uh, and particularly because we hear all the time, uh, not all the time, but occasionally there'll be a little news blurb or you may have been at some point exposed to a possibly rabid animal and a human gets a shot but what happens to the animal uh and what happens to a human that doesn't get prophylactic uh vaccination so we'll start with what is rabies uh do you know what rabies is sarah um i am kind of aware since i've been a dog owner most of my adult life mm -hmm. but I know you know you can get rabies and then it's pretty much a death sentence I think only one person has ever survived a rabies infection but it's, it's like a brain disease it swells your brain and you die basically yeah it's a pretty serious viral infection uh, mm -hmm. it spreads solely through exposure to saliva and mm -hmm. a central nervous system tissue. So bites, contamination of open wounds with saliva, or I guess brains and spines, uh, contact with mucous membranes, or theoretically even scratches, because it's not uncommon for animals to lick themselves, to groom themselves. Mm -hmm. Those are all possible rabies exposure uh, pathways. But petting an animal, Contact with blood, urine, or feces of a rabid animal are technically non-exposure pathways. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Uh, I would not encourage any of those contacts. Really, in general, it's not a good idea to come in contact with anything's blood. Uh, mm -hmm. and, or urine or feces, really. Uh, you can pet animals, but maybe petting a rabid animal is not a good option. And they're not going to be happy about <laughs> it anyway. No. You're not making things better for the animal, and you're, you're definitely not making things better for you. Uh, and then, so, rabid animals present, like, animals that are not human animals uh, present either they're more or less aggressive. So they might actually be too calm and be around people in a way that would be very unusual for them, like be comfort, like seem comfortable around people, um, being active at the wrong time of day. Uh, they'll drool a lot because their tongues tend to swell. Uh, and then hydrophobia. So they cannot drink water. They actively shun water. Uh, so those are, those are the symptoms that present in non-human animals. But in humans, the first symptoms are similar to the flu. Uh, mm. There can also be discomfort at the site of contact and then symptoms of uh, cerebral dysfunction start. So you start having personality changes, delirium, hallucinations, insomnia, 
Uh, once symptoms appear in humans and in animals, it's almost always fatal. Uh, mm-hmm. Like you said, there's, I think there's actually two instances. Oh, wow. Now, I, a few, as of like 2010, there was only one, but I think there has been one person since who has survived rabies without immediate prophylaxis. Uh, so what do you actually do or what is actually done to an animal that may have exposed a human to rabies mm-hmm. or a pet or livestock to rabies? Because uh, all of those are things that humans take particularly seriously. And that's when humans usually take action. You know, if a raccoon is exposing another raccoon to rabies, there is, there are human actions that take place but if it's something that's more directly related to humans that's when we're more active about doing something uh so the sort of quick and dirty description is if an animal can be captured and isolated uh the basically the animal should be sequestered Mm -hmm. uh, and observed daily for 10 days And then to avoid mistaking signs of rabies for possible side effects of vaccination, administration of rabies vaccine to the animal is not recommended during the observation period. If it shows any signs of illness, it should be taken to a vet. Uh, Any illness in the animal should be reported immediately to the local health department. Now, that's an important Mm -hmm. piece of information. Local health departments are typically who handles at least the beginning of a rabbit animal case. Uh, the animal, if the animal develops signs of rabies, it should be euthanized uh, mm-hmm. to, by a vet. You know, I guess if you're in an emergency situation, by a non-vet, but by a vet. And then the head only, because you only really need the brain and central nervous tissue, submitted to a diagnostic labor- laboratory for testing. Uh, any animal that's a stray, like a stray pet, dog cat or ferret ferrets were emphasized a lot on the cdc's website interesting uh should be euthanized immediately by an animal health professional and the head should be submitted for rabies testing so that's more like pets exposing yeah. humans uh and then for wild animal uh wild animal exposure like if you're bitten by a raccoon or a fox or bats in particular are spreaders of rabies right uh typically they should be euthanized and then tested if they can be caught don't try to catch an animal that bit you uh maybe just let that one go uh maybe just go <laughs> to the doctor but if you can catch it or if animal control can catch it they can euthanize it and the head can be analyzed by a laboratory so with the rest of the body uh, the central nervous system tissue is still in you know the spinal cord is technically central nervous system tissue so the body of the animal should be destroyed either by, you know, landfill or if it's just one small animal, you can bury it on your property. It'll decompose. Uh, composting, much like the uh, roadkill that we talked about a few mm-hmm. episodes ago, things like that. So you can compost the animal? But just for disposal in a way that like it's specific, it's specifically a type of composting that is done instead of sending something to a landfill, it's not like something you just put the dead animal in your compost pile at home. Okay. Yeah. So that's more like a a method of disposal instead of a landfill. So it's a municipal type thing. 
Oh, okay. All right. It's a big, big like compost. Yeah, it's not. It's not something you'd want to spread on your garden. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, you can do whatever you want. It's free country. I would not recommend it personally. (laughs) (laughs) Uh. So, that's what happens. In in a very small nutshell. So we'll we'll keep going, in more detail. For handling of animal remains to be tested. So you got an animal. You contact the local health department, a doctor, or a veterinarian. Any of those will work. I bet animal control would also help you out. Uh, Samples, a.k.a. the animal's head, usually, although if it's a very small animal, it can be the whole thing. You should ship it fresh frozen with dry ice or formalin fixed at room temperature, not refrigerated. Apparently, it's very important to either freeze it or fix it with formalin, which is a a preservative, like an embalming fluid. Oh, Um, okay. And you have to ship it via a hazmat certified packer. Well, yeah, because it probably has rabies. And you don't want to start the next zombie apocalypse with some weird strain of rabies. I don't. I don't think people who work at a local local health department do either. Yeah. That would be such a pain. (laughs) I've worked at a health department. That would just be an absolute pistol. Uh, (laughs) There's lots of paperwork involved in this. Uh, Specimens need to be identified. Who, what, when, where, why? Is this a pet dog? Is it a stray dog? What did it do? When did you get it? How long has it been dead? Etc. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can send human samples to the CDC. So this would be more for doctors. Uh, you can send pre-death saliva, cerebrospinal fluid, neck biopsy, or brain biopsy. And after death, you can send central nervous system tissues. So that's very, uh, I think that's kind of unnerving to think about having to send human samples of a potentially rabid human because they would have to be exhibiting symptoms at that point. That's not... If they think you've been, if a doctor thinks you've been exposed at any point, but you aren't exhibiting symptoms, they'll just give you a prophylactic vaccination. But if you're showing symptoms, they'll send stuff to the CDC for you. Yes. Uh, So what, so I've kind of covered loosely what happens to the rabbit animal. But what happens to the animal exposed to the rabbit animal? Mm Mm-hmm. So the rabbit animal has either been caught or not caught. It has been, if it's been caught, it's had its head sent to a diagnostic testing lab to see if it's got rabies. Uh, If it's a dog, cat, or ferret, so a pet, and their vaccination is up to date, they should be revaccinated, observed, and isolated for 45 days by the owner. Mm -hmm. If their vaccine is out of date, revaccinate, observe, and isolate for 45 days in the care of the owner. They have not been vaccinated, or if their vaccination has never happened, just they should be euthanized immediately. And this sounds really kind of brutal, but, and I know it's pets, which people are very, I mean, pets are parts of people's families. It's very important to people, but rabies will kill you. It's not like, it's not even like uh, HIV. Or, or it's more serious than things like that. Or even like Ebola. It's more serious than Ebola. It's it's not something where you can provide prophylactic care for and they might make it through. Like the people that have survived have had to have this. I, I wonder if I have the protocol name. Let me see if I have the pro. It's, it's a medical protocol and it's 
enormously rigorous and the people that have survived uh, have lo- you know, long-term brain damage. Like they are very unwell after surviving rabies. So it's not, it's not a joke. It's not something that's worth risking your family, your friends, your neighborhood. So. Right. That from what I've heard, these people have survived. Well, the one person I knew out yeah, su- it's a, survived. It's a, I was a girl, a ten-year-old. But this person has like serious brain damage. Like they are not the way they were before. Like mm-hmm. they are basically need help the rest of their lives. Mm-hmm. So it's, and it's. I mean, I think it's amazing that they've survived. I think it's great, but it's not. It's not like anything else we're really used to as humans. Uh, we can provide care for an awful lot of diseases and disorders. And this is not one of them. Uh, so getting back to animals exposed to rabid animals, livestock. Because uh, you can have rabid horses and rabid cows, which sounds terrifying. Uh is their vaccination up to date? Yes. Revaccinate, observe and isolate for 45 days in the care of an owner. Is their vaccination out of date? No. Well, if it is out of date, then you, sh- you should euthanize them immediately. And same if they haven't been vaccinated. It's uh, with livestock, I-, I think it's more that the pathways are less well known because it's so common in smaller mammals and then larger mammals with livestock. Uh, it's not really known how as much how effective vaccines are and it's also they can do a lot more damage to a remaining herd and they're also bigger animals so they're harder to catch and quarantine if they become rat or like they develop rabies symptoms so and then any other animal that has been exposed to a rabid animal other than dogs cats ferrets and livestock it's recommended you euthanize them immediately uh because we really don't, other than humans, dogs, cats, ferrets, and livestock, we don't vaccinate many other animals for rabies. It's not like you vaccinate pet rabbits for rabies. Uh, so, exposure. I did not know that. Yeah, I, I didn't don't know that you don't vaccinate rabbits. I thought you vaccinated ferrets, though. I believe you do. And I, they may have vaccines or something. I'm going to double check that because that's another me talking and not looking. Oh, okay. <laughs> I'm pretty sure. I'm going to write that down. Well, I know recently um, a a, um, a, fa- a little farm, like a hobby farm someone has around here, it was really sad because there's no vaccination for donkeys. Oh. And one of her donkeys got rabies, and it was really sad because they had to put the poor thing down. Oh, and it was like a favorite donkey. And I didn't know this at the time, but I was reading, like, the donkey actually was guarding like was actually acting as a guard animal for her other livestock. I was oh, like, yeah. oh, go ahead. They're great for that. They really are. Donkeys are uh, used second only to dogs for protecting livestock. That's amazing. Mm-hmm. I really think I need a donkey now. I want a mini donkey. <laughs> I do live on a farm, so I'm not just saying that living in like some apartment or something. <laughs> and I don't. I live in suburbia, so having a donkey would be fabulously fascinating with what my HOA would do. <laughs> You'd have a nice yard. You, you know, That's true. You would probably be pretty happy in your yard. Uh, yeah, I would be happy with my donkey. 
so the I guess the upshot of animals exposed to a rabid animal. If the vaccination's up to date, great. You need to observe them for 45 days. If it's not, you're probably going to have to euthanize the animal. I'm very sorry. Uh, rabies. Yeah. Rabies infection in humans is pretty rare nowadays in the U.S. It's more common internationally. Uh, in 2015, between the 50 states and Puerto Rico, there were 500 or 5,508 cases of rabies in animals and three human cases reported the, to the CDC. The total number of reported cases decreased by 8% compared with 2014. So that's cool. Rabies cases in humans in the U.S. are often from outside travel. Uh, it's common for outside treatment failures to take place for them to not follow the rather rigorous steps involved in rabies treatment for exposed humans in the U.S. Uh, uh, what? Yeah. So depending on where you get exposed to rabies in the world, there may be limited access or limited knowledge about what you're supposed to do to best take care of uh, the wound and then uh, receive prophylactic vaccinations. Um, by the way, the wound should be cleaned with soap and water and mm -hmm. rabies vaccine injections should be done in the deltoid area, uh, not the butt. So it should be in your shoulder, not your behind and not in your belly anymore. Used to okay. be shots in your belly. Uh, it is not anymore. Uh, there used to be around a hundred cases of rabid, rabid humans a year in the U S and all deaths, obviously. Uh, by the 90s, there were about one to two a year. Uh, the vaccine is almost 100% effective in prevention. It should be administered within 72 hours of exposure, uh, if possible. So do you know what the most common um, vector of, of rabies, um, getting rabies from animals? Like, did they get it from rat, like dogs or, you know, just random stray dogs or stray cats or stray wildlife? Was there any, like, statistics on that? Bats and cats are the wow, okay. most common, uh, particularly in the U.S. and also outside of the U.S. Dogs are also common outside of the U.S., but it is mostly for domestic animals, dogs and cats, mostly cats, because people are more likely to get their dogs vaccinated now. The programs involved in getting dogs vaccinated for rabies have been so good. And cats have kittens all the time. And then, you know, two kittens run off and the rest get vaccinated, but those two don't, you know, stuff like that, uh, that cats are more likely to carry rabies than dogs in the U.S. Uh, bats, raccoons, and skunks in the U.S. also carry them, but humans don't interact with raccoons and skunks a lot, which is good. You shouldn't. They're wild animals. Yeah, I always I always heard that if you see a raccoon in the day and it's like acting weird, like it actually wants to, you know, come watch TV with you and hang out, like mm -hmm. it probably has rabies. There's probably something wrong with it. Yeah, day raccoons are are a good thing to stay away from because you're right. There's probably is something wrong with it. It might just be comfortable around people because with sort of the growth of suburban and urban areas and you know, scavengers and generalist feeders like raccoons do well in urban mm -hmm. environments. Uh, but they still don't like people particularly. So, yeah, you're right. Uh, guess how many 
post-exposure prophylaxis treatments are done in the U.S. a year? Uh, how many? 40,000 to 50,000. What? Which I think is enormous. I was uh, going to guess five. <laughs> <laughs> it's more than that. <laughs> By a lot? <laughs> yeah. And that's post-exposure prophylaxis. There are also common careers where pre-exposure prophylaxis takes place uh, or post-exposure, depending. Uh, rabies researchers. I didn't even occur to me, but yeah, of course, they're going to need some kind of vaccination. Can you... Uh, Research on rabies would be kind of terrifying. Uh, wildlife officers, spelunkers, and cavers, because bats live in caves and bats often yeah. carry rabies. Uh, rabies diagnostic laboratory workers, animal control officers, vets, and travelers to countries that have endemic rabies. Endemic means that there is sort of a baseline population of animals that uh, carry rabies at any given time. And I'm assuming there's like a list of these countries. Like if you're, yeah. by the way, I'm going to such and such a place and they're like, oh girl, everything's got rabies there. You're going to need like all the rabies vaccinations. And I'll be like, cool, because I don't want to die. Yeah. Rabies are no fun. Right. Is no fun. It's not, it's, it's not a plural. It's uh, anyway. <laughs> uh, let's see. I think this is. duplicate information that I'm looking at right here. Oh, animals that are euthanized are disposed of as biohazardous waste. And I wanted I want to do a show on biohazardous waste at some point or you can either one. Yeah, fascinating. Uh and then what kind of animals are often submitted for testing? Dogs, cats and ferrets are most common. Cattle, horses, mules also submitted. Mhm. Uh, common for wild animals to be submitted is skunks bats, raccoons, and foxes. Uh, and then it is my understanding, and this is another one that's talking and not looking, but that opossums cannot contract rabies, which is And neat. yes, I've also heard this too. Apparently they just can't get it. Like they can't even be carriers of it. Right. That's not the first time I've heard that. Right. So that's cool. I like opossums. I know they're ugly. Their babies are cute, but the adults are kind of ugly. But they are... The type of animals that will, they move house every two or three days. So if you got one near your house, they'll probably leave soon and they don't carry rabies and they eat ticks. So. Yeah. I mean, they're good things. They're scared. They're like troll doll cute. You know, they're like, yeah, you're really ugly, but you're cute at the same time. Mm -hmm. So rabbit animals, uh, they either die of their symptoms because they will die once they become symptomatic and less than two weeks usually or they are captured destroyed and their heads are sent to a regional laboratory to ensure that they are actually rabid so that they can determine whether or not the person or other animal exposed should have uh, prophylactic vaccinations they will often but not always provide prophylactic vaccinations to especially a person who has been uh, exposed. Although when I got attacked by a dog in West Virginia and they did not have a record, they had a, just a sort of verbal history, uh, not a recorded history of this dog's vaccinations. Uh, they didn't give me anything and they didn't sequester the dog. So 
but I didn't get Well, I'm glad to... you're still alive, unless, you know, you are the typhoid Mary of the zombie apocalypse, and this whole time you've just been, like, quietly... Never mind. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't well, just go down that right. <laughs> <laughs> Not to my knowledge, thankfully. I don't really want yes, to spread rabies. I'm glad you're still alive. Me too. That was a very <laughs> upsetting time. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not fun. I wish I could have had the vaccinations, but they wouldn't give them to me. And then with the dog, they just revaccinated the dog, gave it back to the family, and then never got in touch with me. It was very poorly handled. Yeah. So we had a we had a friend, and I think I've told you this story. We had a friend, um, his wife got transferred up into Michigan um, and Michigan at the time, the bats had carried rabies and bats were such a huge problem and such a disease vector for rabies that they were basically like, if you look at a bat, if you see a bat near you, if there's a bat in your house, then you're going to have to get rabies, prophylactic rabies shots. So Mm -hmm. That happened. Um, they saw that in their house. Um, it was flying around and they called, I think, either the emergency room or their health department. They both had to go in um, and get all these horrible series of shots. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess health insurance wouldn't cover it, which is oh, great. insane. Yeah. Um, um, and then now apparently they're both, they both can never get rabies. Like they, they're, they're immune to it because they've been vaccinated against rabies. That's kind of like a superpower at that point. I think so too. Because it's so flipping dangerous. Right. And they, they smooth sailing for them from now on. (laughs) Went through that horrible ordeal. Well, they moved to England and I don't think England has any rabies. So I think they're pretty rigorous about it. Yeah. Uh, I have one more this is, I guess, a rabies interesting fact. It's not fun because I don't think there are any fun facts about rabies. <laughs> um, but in the eastern United States, the rabies issue, particularly with raccoons, has become such an issue that the was it the C- was it CDC or USDA? I think it's the USDA. Yeah, USDA uh, pest control branch basically has been assisting state governments in eastern U.S. states, including states like West Virginia and North Carolina, uh, with bait drops. Uh, So they drop from planes and helicopters and things like that. Little, they look like little, kind of like a flat Tootsie Roll, but uh, bits of bait that contain an oral vaccine for rabies. And... Uh, They're dropped in wildlife areas, typically, Uh, and there isn't much of a danger of it. You're not going to get exposed to rabies if you or your kid or your dog comes up across these bits of bait, but it's not a good idea to, you know, touch them. If you you come across something that looks like a human made it in the woods, kind of like, I don't know, a little piece of beef jerky or a flat tootsie roll, leave it alone. But uh, it's been very successful in that the raccoons eat the bait, they've become vaccinated, and then they do not develop rabies. And it has reduced rabies exposure significantly. That's a big part of why, uh, you remember I said before that the, there was like an 8% drop in animals uh, right. submitted for testing. Uh, the 
vaccine bait drop is a big part of that. And they're continuing to do it annually or semi-annually, depending on where there's like the biggest need. Uh, so. I That's pretty that. cool. Yeah. So I, uh, I appreciate that. I'm sure there are people that think it's going to control our brains or kill us or whatever, but I don't know. Rabies will kill us. <laughs> uh, it is not an effective way to vaccinate pets, so don't just encourage your pet to eat one of these if you find one and call that good. Uh, and if you touch the bait, wash your hands. That's all it says. Well, in a lot of places, rabies vaccinations are cheap or free. Like you can mm-hmm. go to clinics and just, you know, if you don't have a whole lot of money to take your dogs and cats and a lot of places has like have clinics or, or special days where you can basically get cheap or free rabies vaccinations. And it is the law in many places to vaccinate your, your dog and cat. Oh, absolutely. And ferret apparently. Uh State fairs are also a place where it's common for that to happen. That's where uh, the dog that attacked me in West Virginia had gotten vaccinated. And that's a big part of why they didn't have paperwork for it, unfortunately. Oh, wow. Uh, But, or they lost the paperwork. They probably give people paperwork, but they got the dog vaccinated at the state fair before it attacked me. Mm -hmm. So, so that's where rabies and rabbit animals go. Very interesting. I had never thought of that as a topic that's really interesting and cool. Thanks. <laughs> and I'm just, I'm wondering about, like, I'm thinking about these laboratory workers where all these heads are going, and I'm like, another day, another pack of heads to test, like, all <laughs> these frozen, like, cryopack heads coming in. Yeah, it it's probably a pretty peculiar job. Uh and I, th- I think about peculiar jobs like that. And with the jobs I've had in the past, I get kind of like uh, a radar for the subject matter. Uh, like when I worked uh, for the health department permitting septic systems, I started really looking at people's lawns uh, and their property and the soil for septic systems. When I worked with invasive species, I'd look for invasive species. So what is someone who works with animal heads see and look for right interesting maybe we'll have someone comment be like i i work in a laboratory and i can't look at dog heads the same way ever again yeah i I would love to hear about people's career goggles their their you know job their job brains basically like, do you do so, that with, um, I guess, stuff? I was just going to say yes. So we recently went out to dinner with friends at this really nice place. And the the place had these, all all their dishes were vintage, which I really, really appreciate when people reuse stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I seriously turned over, like, every single plate and glass that I got just to see, like, where it's from. I was like, oh, this is cool. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Yeah, it's it definitely has colored my colored my life. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. So what what topic are you covering for us today, Sarah? So I'm gonna talk about dog poop. Ooh. 
Yes. Gross. So, Tell me about it. Uh, so as you know, humans themselves don't don't poop on the sidewalk for a very good reason, yes. as you know. Yes. And um, so, but a lot of people let their dogs poop on the sidewalk and they don't pick it up. Yes. And I don't want to shame people, but at the same time I do, because really, seriously, pick up poop. Yeah, it's... Ugh. <laughs> but apparently it was not common to pick up your dog's poop until like into the 80s someone someone was saying um like back back generations ago it was just something you just kind of left in the yard or whatever Ugh. yeah isn't that interesting that is interesting that's it's amazing when everyone does it what people will tolerate Mm-hmm. yeah yeah. So, it, I mean, it has become such a problem for cities um, that the, eventually they just started passing laws all over the place. Like, you need to pick it up and put it in the trash can. And that's worked pretty well in a lot of places. Mm-hmm. So the statistics I found, and they're, they're kind of hard because it, it seems like it's a guess, but there's like 83 to 89 million pet dogs in the United States. Wow. So, I mean, that, yeah, that's a lot of poop. I mean, if you think about like all the animals that poop and that's, if you're picking up your poop, thank you. If you're using plastic bags, that's a lot of plastic bags too. You're right. But Cause it's every day. Exactly. And it can be like three times a day too. Like, cause dogs poop more than people. I don't know if people realize that it's, they definitely poop more than people. Wow. That's a lot of poop. So, yeah, so the problem with leaving dog poop on the ground is that um, it is not a fertilizer. It is not good fertilizer because dogs, um, like people, are omnivores, um, and their digestive tract is completely different than, say, cows or horses or rhinos or elephants, Mm -hmm. and that cows, horses, rhinos, elephants, you know, all those kind of animals are... Um, you know, they, they eat vegetation, they eat grasses, their digestive tract is made basically to churn all that vegetable matter and it's hot and it churns over and over and over. And that's why you can use that kind of manure on your vegetable garden. Whereas um, people poop, dog poop, cat poop, um, other omnivorous animals, well, cats are carnivores, um, you can't use on vegetable gardens because there are parasites in their poop Mm -hmm. and you have to get their poop extremely hot in order to actually put it on a garden and even then you probably shouldn't put it on plants that you you plan to um eat oh yeah the number of septic systems i saw with a very luxurious garden on top of them with uh, (laughs) i mean that's cool i mean it was cool but i don't want to eat the vegetables from your Absolutely not. Absolutely not. If it's just flowers, so th- you know, that's nice. It's interesting that you bring up septic systems because um, the EPA said, well, you should, the best way to get rid of dog poop is to flush it. Mm-hmm. And then other people have said, well, septic systems, um, mu- municipal waste sewage systems are not set up to handle all that poop, like all the dog poop plus the people poop plus, you know, if people are, you know, picking it up in plastic bags that are actually rated for this, by all means, don't put your food line bag in your in your toilet and flush that. 
Please don't do that. Please don't do that. <laughs> They're not set up for that either. So, I mean, there's really, there's, there's really a couple of options. And then there's one really interesting one that I'll talk about that's been experimented with. Um, so you can either, you know, trash them, which is basically, it's what I do. I mean, it's, I don't have compost set up to handle my dog's poop, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Um, which is what most people do municipally is you put it in a plastic bag and you throw it in the trash and it goes to the landfill. Right. Um, The problem with that is um, it takes forever to break down depending on the plastic bag and it releases methane. Mm -hmm. And as we know, methane causes, you know, greenhouse effect of our, of our earth. Basically it's one of the contributors. So a lot of people have posited, oh, well, why don't we do use biodegradable bags? And I mean, depending on the bag, biodegradable means different things. Like I use earth rated bags, which, you know, are biodegradable after a certain point. And they're, they're actually pretty nice. But then the, the problem still is, um, it's in the landfill. It's, it's, um, you know, releasing all the gases and stuff. And right. I guess and a lot of, uh, you know, landfills are, eventually sealed so that the mm-hmm. t- you know the stuff in them cannot really degrade aerobically right uh, and that's for safety it makes you know there's there's a logic to it it's, the intention is not to prevent biodegradation it's to right contamination but yeah so the it's good that you brought that up because because landfills are sealed like that they they kind of prevent a lot of decomposition mm-hmm. so there's not a, as much decomposition as you would think there was going on because they don't want all that junk getting into the air um being waterborne like because you can get a lot of diseases from feces you know just spreading to the water supply and that's a really big problem with dog poop since mm-hmm. there's, you know, so many dogs, if you leave it on the ground, it can get into the water supply. You can get um, waterborne pathogens like Giardia. We all know you shouldn't drink mm-hmm. from freshwater streams because you can get Giardia, um, you know, parasitic worms. Um, even if your dog is dewormed, you know, there's always going to be things that will land on it like bugs that will land on it or Mm -hmm. you can get roundworm that was that was always something my mom talked about she was a nurse um all while i was growing up um she said if you stepped on dog poop you need to wash your feet immediately because you can get roundworms and and um, stuff like that so it is a it is a major problem Mm -hmm. and people that don't pick up the poop on beaches they can actually cause nitrogen problems in the water and actually destroy a lot of the, the ecosystem of the, of the, um, water life mm-hmm. inside the lake or inside, um, on the beach because it's so night full of nitrogen. Right. It would cause, you know, algal blooms and maybe dead zones. From- Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Which is not something I knew. Yeah. I, was- I wouldn't have never, I would have never thought of that. Yeah, so pick up your poop on the beach. Even if it's going to the landfill, please don't kill the the animals on the beach. <laughs> they got enough problems. They got Exactly. Without, you know, Frisky's poop being part of it. <laughs> exactly. So we talked about composting and composting is an option um but only 
it's not really an option for people unless you are set up for your compost pile to be like a serious compost pile. Mm -hmm. Like you, your compost, I guess, has to be um, over 165 degrees for five days or more in order to long time in order to even consider composting your dog's poop and putting it in on the garden. And even then they suggest don't use it on vegetables because you just never know. Like Mm -hmm. they don't want you to get sick. So it is, you know, you can compost it, but you, you shouldn't use it on vegetable plants because you just never know. Right. And there are plenty, you know, flowers, trees, et cetera, would benefit from it. So it's not like you're really losing out a lot if you go through the process. Right. Exactly. Make a pollinator garden (laughs) Mm -hmm. if you need uh, impetus. So this was a cool project that I came across. Um, So what you can do, which I found interesting, is you can build like basically a little bioreactor. It sounds to me like a souped up septic system is basically Mm -hmm. what it sounds like. It's like you put digestive enzymes in the ground. It's like you build a hole, you put like rocks in the bottom, you, you line it, you put digestive enzyme, like reactive digestive enzymes in and then start layering in the poop. Mm -hmm. Um, And then those digestive enzymes will like kind of break down the poop and it's a digester. And so the university of Arizona students a few years ago built an aerobic bacterial digester that actually powered a lamppost. Ooh. Isn't that cool? So it would like, Really, really awesome. So I'm thinking there's 89 million pet dogs in the U.S., lots of poop. Why aren't we powering cities by poop? <laughs> you know, at least like lampposts and stuff. That Wouldn't that be cool? That would be really nice. And there are so many lampposts, you could just deposit the poop at the lamppost. Right. That's what I was thinking. So this is really a cool idea. And of course, I don't really, um, the, I guess the gas was what was releasing into the lamppost. So um, and that was a digester type deal. Exactly. And that was what was powering the lamppost. It was called E-turd, which I found <laughs> fascinating. <laughs> I was like, that's so great. <laughs> <laughs> E-turd. Of course, now it would be I-turd. Yeah. Because everything has to have I in front of it. The little I. I I-turd. Yep. (laughs) So I was like, commercially, I wonder, like, if you could have a set where you just, like, make your poop digester and you could power, like, I don't know, the phone chargers. (laughs) You could probably partially charge, uh, you know, a vehicle's battery or something. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Vehicle charging stations. Mm -hmm. Uh, Man, that would be so green. (laughs) (laughs) So I talked about um, dog poop bags because that's, that's what I use. It's, I don't have a poop digester in my yard. Mm -hmm. I have a compost pile, but there's no way it is hot enough for um, my dog's poop. She poops like a, an unbelievable amount every day anyway (laughs) she's like she's like a little elephant but I love her anyway so anyway um so I was kind of thinking about 
there's probably an average of a thousand bags a year mm-hmm. that an average person uses picking up their dog's poop. Um, so like it, it comes to a point where you're just like, okay, do I reuse my grocery bags or do I get actual bags that are rated for this kind of thing that are biodegradable? And it, it was an interesting question to me because I actually accidentally already use um, biodegradable bags. The bags I just happened to like and buy happen to be biodegradable, mm-hmm. which is kind of cool. But th- I guess there's two different kinds of of bags that you can get um, if you're interested in this problem and and don't want to just use your your extra food line bags, which is you know obviously reuse is a great thing, but um, there's corn-based bags, which tend to be more expensive, but they are vegetable-based, so mm-hmm. they're going to break down a little bit easier, and there's not the whole petroleum process involved in that, which some people have issues with because petroleum and, you know, all the things associated with the petroleum system and all that. Um, mm-hmm. And then there's, of course, the petroleum-based bags, but they're made so that they're more biodegradable. And that's all information that you can look up um, online with like the bag maker, manufacturer, um, or, or do some research. Um, I guess there's a, a earth rated is a, is a bag that, that is pretty common. Um, and it'll tell you like this bag is biodegradable, et cetera, et cetera. Neat. Yeah, it's an interesting problem. It's not since I, I've had dogs most of my life, except for maybe five years in between when I was living in an apartment. I've had dogs pretty much since I was a a little kid, basically. So it was like, uh, it made me really think about, you know, wow, that's a lot of poop. And there's a reason we don't poop on the sidewalk, yet dog poop is not all that different than people poop. And they're, you know, just people are, you know, just kind of leave it sometimes. Oh, yeah. A lot of the time I'm, I've had, I had a dog growing up. I have never, I haven't had a pet dog as an adult, but growing up, we never picked up her poop unless it was in the house and we threw it outside. Like, Oh, wow. And she was a small dog. So it would just break down, but it was, you know, if she had had worms or, uh, you know, any kind of issues would have just gotten into the water cycle or exposed another dog walking around sniffing. Mm Mm-hmm. Because uh, mm-hmm. dogs love to eat poop. Uh, yeah, God that's another them. thing. Is like even if you even if you don't think about getting other people sick from poop being in the water supply, you can get other dogs sick too. So if you love your dog and you hate people, just think about that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and it's not comfortable for a dog to have heartworms or uh, you know some kind of horrible stomach trouble. And man, dogs are attracted to poop. Our neighbor's dog eats their horse poop all the time. <laughs> That's weird because I wouldn't think that there's anything in horse poop that would be even, even like tasty. Like horses really just eat vegetable matter and yeah. fruit. Uh, yeah, I got, I got no answers for you and the dog's not talking. I, yeah. I don't get it. <laughs> So my topic was dog poop, but I was curious about cat poop and cat poop. Basically, they're like never composted ever, like never composted because cat poop is such an issue. Mm-hmm. Like, I guess you need like a serious compost system in order to 
break down your cat poop and your cat litter um, because cats can have such weird parasites. Yeah, or like their, toxoplasmosis their... and stuff. Yes. So I was like, oh, well, that's interesting. So then that brings up the whole cat litter issue, which I didn't really look into, but it, it's interesting. Um, cat litter is mostly made from it, it it's mostly made from like gravel and and sand and stuff right mm-hmm. clay yeah. often uh, a clay okay yeah yeah but there are also um there are now wheat hull based ones which mm-hmm. is nice because i'm sure that's a waste product being utilized and uh some other there's like ones that are gel based i think it's like the gel that's in diapers um, okay that absorbs the pee. We use that briefly. We hated it. Uh, but, you know, that's for our cat and our house. Uh, mm-hmm. And Nick actually uh, used sawdust for quite a while because he had so much mm-hmm. from doing veneers. And he actually did a video on sawdust as cat uh, litter. So I'll, uh, I'll put that in our show notes. Did your, cat, did your cat like it? Did your cat like the sawdust? I don't think she minded it. Yeah. Uh, it was all oak and I think some maple. So it wasn't like pine, although there is pine pellet litter as well. Because I know mm-hmm. pine and cedar, the oil can be irritating to some animals. Yeah. Uh, but it never bothered her. But Moby is also a very odd cat in that we can change her food. She doesn't react other than maybe to eat more. Uh, <laughs> you know, she doesn't react to a lot of changes the way cats would she's kind of i think she's not all there but in a very sweet way yeah she's a good cat but she doesn't she's not very sensitive and some cats are Mm -hmm. so never bothered her but that doesn't mean much so my my cat um i had I had two cats. Um, right when I moved out, I needed a friend. So I had two little cats and well, too little. It's really. <laughs> oh, Meatball. Meatball was little. One of, she, she started out little. Yeah. She ended up being a 20 pound enormous cat, but she was really, really picky about her cat litter. Mm-hmm. And she would only use like a certain kind of cat litter. I think it had to be tidy cats. Like mm-hmm. that's the only thing that she would use. Um, I tried all kinds of different things like shredded paper, newspaper, you know, all I tried the different like um, pellets. And I think they're even more now because Meatball's been gone for a while. She lived to the ripe old age of 17 and then passed away. But um, I tried all kinds of things with her and she only wanted like tidy cats and she only liked junky cat food. Like I tried to put her on like really healthy cat food as soon as I was like, okay, we got a little bit more money meatball. Let's try to feed you some healthy cat food. And she's like, no, I want to eat cat food Doritos. That's the thing I want to eat. I'm like, all right, girl, you know, all right. (laughs) Do you meatball? Do you? (laughs) Exactly. It was like, you do you. Oh, meatball. Yeah. Anyway, uh, as an aside. So the EPA does suggest flushing um, obviously don't flush cat litter unless your cat litter is made for flushing. Um, I know that there's some cat litter that is made for flushing. 
and and the septic professional in me is just going to pipe up and say that there's no such thing as a truly flushable wipe and there's probably no such thing as truly flushable exactly see this is what i was going to ask you I was like, I, since someone was telling me about fatbergs, like those disposable, Mm -hmm. supposedly disposable things um, for people um, when they're using the toilet, they are apparently not flushable. They're not truly flushable. Like they actually just form dams in the sewage system and all kind, all manner of horrible things have to happen in order to get them out. Um, I think that's another show. To do actually, <laughs> yeah, it happens to uh, flushable wipes. Uh, exactly. Yeah, I mean, I've seen them in septic systems several times, and uh, including like clogging the way from the septic tank into the rest of the septic system. So, like, truly impeding the functionality of the system. That's usually mm-hmm. in older systems, but it happens. And yeah. they don't degrade. Uh, in the way that is promised and most Mm -hmm. municipal systems and most septic systems are not designed to handle them uh it's just it just please just throw them in the garbage can Mm -hmm. or just use toilet paper just get it a little damp it's okay (laughs) it's okay i'm not and you know people are not going to stop flushing them but you know if i get someone to with my little soapbox to maybe just think about it a little. That would be nice. Yeah. So the thing with flushing dog poop is like, I I read in various places that, that environmental health texts were just like, yeah, I don't think the sewage system is set up for that. Yeah, it is. Um, sewage systems are set up for the number of people in a house, typically, if you're talking right. about household uh, waste. And so that's kind of like adding another person to your house. Well, dogs apparently produce twice the waste of a person. Well, then there you go. That's adding two people per pepperoni. Right. Right. uh, Since there's 89 million dogs, that's 160 million people, which is half the U.S. population. Yes. Uh, And I think that was their point. They're like, yeah, we haven't thought about that. (laughs) And that may be a worthwhile consideration because – Potentially, you could make systems a little larger or have additional, uh, you know, a second septic tank or something for additional settling and primary treatment. Uh, You know, it's not impossible and it's not crazy if you're just adding just the feces, not the feces in the bag, not the feces in the litter. Right. Because you're also adding water and there is a water gallon limit on Mm -hmm. septic systems and it's also a consideration for gallon limits and treatment ability for municipal systems it's just much larger for a municipal system than it is for a septic system Mm -hmm. uh so you could i mean that's not something it's it's something that is not thought of now uh but could i'm I'm not i'm thinking about it and it doesn't sound like totally irrational you'd you'd be much more likely to add dog poop than flushable wipes to your septic system and have it work out yes if it's designed for them yes that's an interesting thing to think about it is interesting isn't it and i i think that when they designed the the systems the sewage systems i think that it was really that it wasn't thought of maybe because people were just like oh it's dog poop you know you just oh yeah 
or you throw it, fling it into the woods or please don't do that. <laughs> well, and there are building booms and busts and stuff. So, you know, septic systems in particular, but also municipal sewage systems get size upgrades or, a, you know, large numbers of additions at specific times. You know, there's, right. there was a big building boom here in the 60s and there was a big one in the 80s. So we've got a lot of systems from the 60s and the 80s. Uh, and then just before the economy crash in 2008. Uh, so you get whatever, you get trends of whatever was the legal requirement and the technological capacity based on those times. So maybe mm-hmm. there'll be a future time where people are saying this is a, you know, three bedroom, two dog household or something like that. Right. That would be interesting. It is an interesting problem. And I, I wonder if they think about it now when they des- design sewage treatment. And like if they, if they think, okay, it's this many people and add dogs. I or don't whatever. know. I bet, um, I would bet soil and water conservation districts think about that though. I would. Yeah. Bet. Well, dog poop is such a huge issue. Um, I don't think people really, really think about it. And I, I think about, you know, obviously being a good neighbor and, and picking up poop off the sidewalk that my dog leaves. That's just, you know, courteous, but I had never really considered the, the vastness of the issue. Like imagine you are a city planner and there's, dog poop everywhere and you're just like I know this is a a health issue um how how do we get people to pick up poop basically mm-hmm. and passing laws is one way putting trash cans everywhere is another way maybe in the future making it novel and and having a digester so that you can throw the poop in the in the hole and and it lights a light or it dings a bell or it powers some you know gazebo or something that'd be pretty cool or you can charge your phone yeah it's like it's just randomly tar phone charging station mm-hmm. yeah so i think there's definitely room for improvement and to really think about the these i guess it's a civil engineering problem it's a it's a waste um problem to think about for the future and it's a very spread out one. I wonder if they could take a cue from uh, countries that have open defecation issues, because there are certain countries in the world where open defecation by humans is the norm. Uh, and there are different campaigns going on to help people get toilets in their house, help people get access to sewage disposal, help people... Uh, even just normalize the thought of defecating indoors because defecating outdoors is the norm, but it's, it's causing problems at this point. Uh huh. Uh, so I wonder if since we don't have a human open defecation problem as widespread, cause it certainly happens. You, you, we, I'm, I don't know about it, you, but I have come across human poop in the world. Uh, well, yeah, my mom, my mom is a, is a runner. She's actually a, a, you know, like an ultra marathoner. And she says it's a huge problem, like that runners will, will just some of them, not all of them, obviously there are people that don't do this, but 
that ultra marathoners will, you know, not wait until they uh, go past a check station and there's a porta potty and they will just randomly, randomly go in people's yards because they have to go. And I'm like, well, that's awful. So I'm wondering if those kind of things would work too. They need one of those little bags that they put under horse butts. (laughs) 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 Yeah. I don't want to say that like, Ooh, the U S has solved all the sewage problems and the rest of the world is so dirty. I don't want to be that person because I don't feel that way. And there are countries that do it better than we do. Uh, It's more just open defecation by any omnivore is a problem and it's not great when it's an herbivore either uh you yeah. know horse poop was a serious issue for until there were cars basically mm-hmm. so um yeah just imagine walking around and like there's just huge piles of poop even though it was horse poop and horses you can use horse poop as as fertilizer just imagine walking through the street and having to watch out for horse poop mm-hmm. it's just yeah, it's just, it's nice that we don't have that problem anymore. <laughs> it is nice. Uh, there's a great Stuff You Missed in History episode about the great manure crises of New York City and London in the 19th century. Really? Yeah. And it was in the cities and they were trying to manage the manure and there were like multiple stories high piles of manure scooped out of the streets and then also the horses would just die in the streets which makes sense you know some just die in their tracks and uh what do you do with a horse body that's snaggling up traffic oh my gosh yeah it's a good episode (laughs) it's very interesting i am gonna have to watch that yeah it's a problem we don't have anymore and that's nice and maybe we could solve it for dog poop yeah, I'm really, I'm really into this whole like building a digester to power things. Like, I really want like there to be little charging stations and little lamp posts and little gazebos everywhere <laughs> powered by dog poop. I think that would be awesome. That does. It's. It would be a novelty that had very real utility. See, I would think it it would make people more likely to throw the dog poop in. Oh yeah. wasn't it the case that harvey milk a big part of his initial election campaign in san francisco was cleaning up dog poop i don't remember i i really don't remember um it seems something that is likely he was a pretty cool guy yeah that's my fun dog poop fact (laughs) (laughs) fun facts of dog poop (laughs) i cannot believe how many pet dogs there are that is so many pet dogs. Yeah, and and even when I was like, okay, that seems like a really high number. I looked and looked and looked and looked, and and it was always in the you know eighty to eighty nine million pet dogs in the U.S. I was like, that is so many dogs. Even if it was a quarter of that number, that's twenty million dogs. It's that's bananas. Yeah, yeah. It's an amazing amount of dogs, and I had no idea. And then, of course, you know, dogs poop, you know, twice as much as people do generally. Yeah. I mean, even if you have a small dog, if they're going three times a day, that's a lot more than a lot of people. Yeah. So, yeah, that's a lot of poop. (laughs) I know you can get, like, little, little decomposition, like 
vaults um, that you can bury in your yard and then just pour, like, put the poop in it. But I have no idea what they do, and I don't know if they're very effective. Yeah, that was pretty much what I was talking about with the like the little digester. Okay, is you can actually buy you can buy now. You don't have to build it yourself. You can buy these little vaults. I have no idea how expensive they are. I'm sure you could do a search for them. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're actually ready made, and they'll come with the digester enzymes that you put it in to get started. And um, apparently then you can use it in your yard after a while. Mm-hmm. Um, but they still say don't use it on your vegetables just in case. It would be an interesting thing for someone to do like just for a neighborhood to have yeah, just one for a neighborhood. Yeah. Yeah. And I wonder if people would use it. It would be very, very cool. I guess you'd have to do a lot of you know, don't throw your uh, food lion bag in here. Please only put in the the earth rated bags or whatever, mm-hmm. um, because they will actually biodegrade in the in the digester. Um, but it, it's a cool problem. If you get your neighbors thinking about it, then you know it. Anything is possible. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Very Neat. cool. Thank you, Sarah. I Absolutely. Did not know really much of anything about where dog poop goes. Well, yeah, and I wanted to do the topic because, um, you know, my my bestest friend in the entire universe is a dog, mm-hmm. and um, I've had dogs my entire life, so it was definitely an interesting, an is interesting thing to think about and learn about, and and really think about my own life and you know what I can do, um, if I can maybe get my neighbors in on, you know. Making poop digesters. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> hey guys, let's make a poop digester. <laughs> oh man, I bet you could power one of those light up signs. You know the ones that have the like LCD screen. Oh yeah, the the light up signs like the the highway patrol people use. Mm-hmm. You know those get hacked frequently. Did you know that? I did know that. I've seen some of the really. <laughs> Who drives by one of those? I'm like, you know, I'm totally going to hack that. And then I, make... Yeah. I Not me. Know. Not me Cause... either. <laughs> People. Yes. People in their stuff. Yeah. Which is what this podcast is about. Is about. <laughs> I bet that's a, as good a place as any to call call this one done. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. We've, did you we've... have Did oh. you have a reuse project? Oh, I did one recently that was kind of neat. Um, cool. If you don't have one. Um, I can always think of something, but if you have one, go ahead. Uh, Nick, at one point, gave me all these chips of solar panels because solar panels used to be so expensive that you would have to put together chips of them to make up a whole one versus now where the chips aren't all that important Uh you know, like it's just damaged solar panels and you could buy pieces to rebuild a whole one. And, uh, I had no interest in doing that. <laughs> so <laughs> I do, uh, resin castings, um, mm-hmm. just for fun as a hobby. And people put things like glitter and alcohol inks and whatever in them. And so I have these little R2D2 ice cube molds and the little solar panel chips are blue and white. So I put the solar panel chips in the R2-D2 molds and then poured resin over them uh, so that now there aren't all these dangerous glass chips floating around my house. (laughs) (laughs) 
and I'm gonna and it make, looks really cool too. Yeah, I'm gonna make little fridge magnets with them. Uh, That's so awesome. It's the type of thing where it takes up less space. It's something that will be useful. My kid likes playing with them. She she calls them the scary robots, but she still likes playing with them. Uh, so anyway, it's the type of thing where uh, I think Sarah and I are gonna work on this. Is uh, sort of crushing up things people aren't using and mm-hmm. casting them into resin pieces that people might actually want to use. So fantastic. Mm-hmm. And it's, you get enjoyment out of it too. I mean, there's a lot to be said about that. Like it's a, it's a cool reuse project. It's beautiful and you have fun and that's, yeah, it's you know, that's what life is about. Yeah. Trying to have some fun, even with yes. garbage. <laughs> even with garbage <laughs> but don't trespass in landfills they are not safe no well there are really, there people that do that probably I, people will trespass anywhere <laughs> i wonder how much of a problem it is like people just try it's another show <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> where do trespassers in landfills go <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thank you, Sarah. Thank you, Emily. All right. We'll we'll discuss again soon. Yes. 